Thank you. Uh, when we moved from uh, New Jersey, this is a place we hung out for about a year. Our daughter was involved in the youth group here until I was recruited uh, down to uh, Grace Community Church. So uh, hey, uh, you are our first California uh, stop, and uh, and we will not stay away. But uh, as I said, that as Matt said, we need to get involved at Grace Baptist Church uh, in that regard. So is that why I'm wearing a tie today? Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, this thing about preachers and ties, uh, you know, why is it in the one job where a guy is expected to use his throat, he's oftentimes expected to tie something around his throat? Uh, you know, I never quite understood that, but uh, 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 it, no, this is not in commemoration of Mother's Day. It's mother told me to wear a tie. She said, so we can be matchy-matchy. Yeah, you know. So, so, so uh, forgive me if I lose it. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, but uh, such a delight to be with you folks. It, it really, really is, and we will miss it. Um, now, um, uh, uh, the... Um, the message today is that it all happened around a charcoal fire. Did you notice that in the back of the uh, of the bulletin? It all happened around a charcoal fire. Um, it it's wonderful when you teach the Word of God year by year that occasionally you see something new. And, and I've taught the life of Christ and preached through John many times, but uh, I never really noticed the connection between the two times in uh, the Gospel of John, where a charcoal fire is mentioned, John 18 and John 21. The only time a charcoal fire is ever mentioned in the Bible are those two times. And you say, well, you know, it's no big deal. You know, Well, it is. The more I looked at it uh, this past week, the more I saw a connection between these two events. And that's wonderful, isn't it, in the study of the Word of God, to see something fresh and new. And hopefully, uh, not only because of the novelty of it, but because of the message around the charcoal fire, I uh, hope that you will agree with me uh, in this uh, connection. Now, uh, we're all modern folks. We live in 2022. And if we are blessed to have a grill, it's not a charcoal grill anymore, folks. It's a gas grill, uh, you know. So uh, now, but uh, for some of the younger folks, you may not even remember uh, when, uh, if we were going to grill something, we had charcoal briquettes. Remember that? A bag of charcoal briquettes. And we would reach in there and put them in the grill and then put some fluid on there and boom, you know, and uh, hope it didn't explode too much in our face. Uh, but I remember those days. Well, uh, that's the way it always was until, I guess, the advent. Uh, of the gas uh, grill, a charcoal grill. So what's the big deal about a charcoal fire? Well, uh, at the back of your bulletin, you can see that this has to do with the two people. Now, there were others, but the two people particularly who were around uh, that charcoal fire. And three things that happened between those people in each one of them. 
And uh, the first one is in John 18. Would you turn there, please? We have what I call Peter's relapse. Peter's relapse. And then uh, later, also around a charcoal fire in John 21, we have Peter's restoration. In both of these events around a charcoal fire, uh, uh, Peter did three things. Uh, and uh, they were, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, three times. You, I, I remember you, uh, you, you know, weren't you in, uh, in, in the garden, uh, in that one, uh, weren't you that one in the, I'm not. Later. Uh, are you sure, uh, aren't you, no, I'm not. And then finally he says, oh yeah, you're the guy who cut off my cousin's ear. I am not. You got it? Peter's relapse. And then in John 21, as we will see, another charcoal fire. And Jesus asks, not once, not twice, but three times. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, yeah. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, yeah. Peter, do you love me? <laughs> yes. I don't think that's an accident. I don't think. Uh, yeah. Now notice um, uh, that John was there. Let's look at the text, okay? And stop just listening to me. But look at the text. In John chapter 18, this is after the arrest of Jesus in Gethsemane, and he's taken to the high priest's house, beginning at verse 12. So the Roman cohort and the uh, commander and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him and led him to Annas first. That's the father-in-law of the current high priest. Father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Now, Caiaphas was the one who advised the Jews that it was better for one man to die for the behalf of the people. So, Simon Peter was following Jesus. Now, watch. And so was another disciple. This is that silent disciple. This is that one who we never know his name. But most of us think, and I think justifiably, that when it says that other disciple, unnamed, this is the author speaking about himself. This is John. And there's various reasons for that. We'll see that again in John 21. So, so here's Peter and another the other disciple who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the doorkeeper and brought Peter in. Now, if this was John, in some way, he was known to the high priest. He may even uh, have been... Uh, now, the, the following is pure speculation on my part. Just take it for what it's worth. John was a fisherman up in Galilee. Uh, how would he be known to the high priest? That's a good question. Well, it could be through the fishing business. Salted fish was a delicacy and, and the wealthy uh, delighted in salty fish. Could it be that Zebedee, the father of John uh, and uh, James, the sons of Zebedee that are called that, uh, had a fishing business and maybe they supplied the fish to the high priestly family. Again, that's pure speculation. But we do know that th this other disciple who never mentions his own name 
knew, uh, was known. And so he comes with Peter and they let him in and they let Peter in. And then the drama begins around the charcoal fire. Verse 15. Uh, 16, but Peter was standing at the door outside. So the other disciples, known the high priest, went out and spoke to the doorkeeper and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, are you not also one of the man's disciples? I am not. Clearly a lie and a denial. Verse 18, now the slaves and the officers were standing there having made a charcoal fire for it was cold and they were warming themselves. Now this was not for cooking. This was to keep warm. It can get cold in April. This is probably in April. Uh, It can get cold in a Jerusalem evening in April. So they're warming themselves again. Now why is it so important that we know what kind of fire? (laughs) It's almost like a random fact that is thrown in here. Matthew does not mention charcoal fire. Mark does not mention charcoal fire. Luke does not mention charcoal fire. John mentions it, okay? So what's the big deal? They're keeping warm. Uh, But he could have just said a fire, but he says a charcoal fire. Now, uh, uh, now skip over the following and skip down to verse 25. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself beside that charcoal fire. So they said to him, you are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest being a relative of the one whose ear Peter cut off. Remember that in the garden? Uh, you know, uh, he cuts off uh, uh, the uh, ear. Uh, uh, that's my cuz, man. That's my cuz. Uh, 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 you're the one. Uh, I, I was with him. I, I saw you in the garden with him. Peter denied it again. And immediately, now I won't make an animal sound. My wife says, don't make any more animal sounds, sweetheart. <laughs> you know. And immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembers. As a matter of fact, Matthew is a little bit harder on Peter. Or maybe he's more honest than John. Matthew says he swears and curses. I'm not that man. man. I swear by God I'm not. Ooh, wow. This is the same Peter. Turn back, please. Chapter 13. Chapter 13. In the upper room, the Passover. Verse 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me later. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me. The king, I think the King James says thrice. I like that. Until you deny me thrice. Three times. How? Oh, I'll go in with you anywhere. I'll never deny you. Before the, see, it's, it's already late evening. Probably nine, ten o'clock. Before Jesus goes to Gethsemane. The end of the Passover meal. 
I'll never. I'll, I'll go with you to the end, Lord. Really? Before you hear the rooster crow, you're going to deny me three times. Now back to John 18. Around the charcoal fire. That happens. Now a couple of things here. I'll never deny the Lord. Come on, Varner. What are you speaking to me about the danger of denying the Lord? I'll never deny the... Really? That's what Peter said. And though I don't want to call him that, the first pope said it, okay? And he denied the Lord. Well, you know, if... Well, he said he wouldn't do it. He did it. We don't want to deny the severity of what Peter did. And I'm not softening the severity of it. But let me look at it from a different angle. When Peter was in the garden and he chopped off the guy's ear and then they grabbed Jesus and took him off, what happened to the other guys? They fled. Okay? Peter and John did not flee off into the darkness. They followed Jesus. They followed Jesus to the high priest's house. And, and Peter goes to all the trouble of, of getting inside. Yay for Peter. I mean, when we are hard on Peter, and, and we ought to be, we also need to keep in mind that this was the Peter who stood up for Jesus in the garden. This was the Peter when the rest of the guys fled who followed Jesus. How do you put that together? I think the lesson is this. When we are standing for Jesus, when we are speaking up for Jesus, is the greatest temptation to deny him. This is not a disciple who fled off into the darkness who denied him. This was the disciple who risked being uh, detected, who followed Jesus when the rest of them, except for he and John, did not. It was when he was standing for Jesus that he fell. So... The greatest temptation to deny the Lord is among those who are trying to stand for the Lord. I mean, you may not have thought about it that way. But I think Peter's lesson for us is that. Now, Matthew says he goes out and weeps bitterly when this happens. As a matter of fact, I think I preached on that in this pulpit. Um, in recent months or, or uh, a year, but this is a different message. So Peter did repent, but he denied the Lord. Well, you say, I'll never, it'll never happen to me. I, oh, really? Really? It's not a scripture quotation, but don't count your chickens before it's hat, they hatched, okay? 
It may not be as dramatic as this. It may be in a conversation where, where, where people are, may not know that you're a, a, a believer and, and they're saying blasphemous stuff or they're saying awful things uh, about something that's very dear to you and you just keep your mouth shut. Well, that's not denying the Lord, really. Really? Don't try to justify it. How do we deny the Lord? It may be dramatic like this. Well, in court, I would never... Well, we're not in court here. We're just being a witness for Jesus and sometimes a silent witness is denying the Lord. Now, I realize, you know, you've got neighbors... You've got friends. You don't want to just like come on strong all the time and never. I, I, I understand that. I live the Christian life too. But don't deny the Lord when you have an opportunity to stand for him. Okay. And, it, and, and it's those of us who are talking about the Lord. Those of us who are being brave for the Lord like Peter is, that are under sometimes the greatest temptation to deny him. Well, it's a sad ending to John chapter 8. Jesus goes off and is crucified and Peter drags his heels and finally finds the other guys hiding probably in an upper room somewhere and uh, it's a sad ending. But it all happened around a charcoal fire. Now turn to John chapter 15, uh, 21. John chapter 21. That's Peter's uh, relapse. Um, I believe that John consciously mentions that this fish breakfast. Somebody said fish breakfast? Yeah, yeah. You go to Israel, you know, you're going to have to get used to fish at breakfast, uh, you know. Uh, no ham. <laughs> where's the ham all we got is fish yeah they eat fish for breakfast and, if you're, and don't be so hard on them Jesus was serving it to his disciples alright fish for breakfast yeah okay good he had a hard enough time getting used to a falafel Don Bruce uh, you know but fish for breakfast come on John chapter 21 Peter said at the beginning of the chapter I'm going fishing now <laughs> I like fishing. I haven't been fishing in a long time. Nothing wrong with fishing. But, Jesus, but Peter is saying, I'm going fishing. <laughs> Peter, come on. You got more important things to do. And Peter learns and he, he gets a uh, tremendous fish uh, uh, catch. But then we have another charcoal fire. After the miraculous catch, Verse 9, when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire. The only other time in the Bible that the word charcoal appears is right here. Three chapters later. In place and fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have now caught. Peter went up and drew the net to land full of a large fish, 153. There were so many that the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. I wonder. I've smelt that before. It was just a couple of weeks ago. Charcoal fire. Oh no. Here it is again. 
None of the disciples dared to question him. Who are you? Knowing uh, uh, that it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus was manifested to his disciples and after he was raised from the dead. All right, Peter, here, here he is. Here he is. The one who denied the Lord. The one who said, I am not. I am not. I am not his disciple. Now he's around a charcoal fire again. First for his relapse, now for his restoration. Now, again, a familiar text, verse 15. So when they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, we're not sure who the these is. Uh, some interpreters think than these other disciples. I really don't think it's that. Uh, it could be, do you love me more than these other disciples? I think he's talking about the, the fishnet, the fishing net, and it's neuter here. Uh, do you love me more than these things? Because you're going back to fishing, and Peter, I want you to fish for men. Do you love me more than these uh, the, uh, fishing nets? I think that's it. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. So he said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now watch. Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Why three times? Why Peter and Jesus? Why a charcoal fire? Now, a lot of ink is spilled, and pardon me if I'm stepping on anybody's toes who's taught this, that there's two different meanings for the word love. One is love of affection. One is love uh, sincere, you know, and, and I, I, a lot of ink is spilled on this. And, and I just want to say that I'm not going in that direction. Do you love me with a self-giving love? Well, you know I'm fond of you. Do you love me with a, you know, a fondness? Well, you know that I really love you, Lord. Uh, you know, two different types of love. I, I don't think that's what's going on here. Pardon me if I'm stepping on somebody's toes. Because what bothered Peter is not two different words for love, but what bothered Peter was what? He was annoyed that Jesus said, I asked, do you love me? The third time. See, that's what the text says. The text says it was the third time. Didn't you hear me the first time? Didn't you hear me the second time? Why have I got to repeat? Charcoal. Oh, three times. He denied the Lord three times and he is restored by three times times the same question. Again, I don't want to debate anybody on it, but when it says there, uh, Peter was uh, uh, annoyed, uh, grieved uh, that he said to him the third time, do you love me? 
if you make that argument that it's agapao and phileo, it doesn't work out. Because this was not the third time that Jesus said, do you phileo me? Not fillet. You know, don't get that mixed up with the fish. Okay. <laughs> phileo me. Do you phileo me? No, no. This was not the third time that he said, do you phileo me? Uh, something else in case I haven't convinced you. This passage is filled with synonyms that aren't intended to be different. Notice he says, shepherd my sheep. Duh. Uh, Then uh, he says, oh, excuse me, tend my lambs. Shepherd my sheep. Okay. Uh, Then he says, tend my sheep. Uh, Tend my lambs, shepherd my sheep. There's no fine distinction between sheep and lambs, okay? Okay. There's no fine distinction between tend and feed. So this, this, uh, the, this passage is filled with what English teachers will call synonyms. A rich variation of words, but all meaning the same thing. There is no difference between tend my lambs, feed my sheep, tend my sheep. It's the same thing. Take care of my followers, Peter. So there's no difference between do you love me? Yes, I love you. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Don't cloud it with some other things. It's very, very clear. He was annoyed the third, why the third time? Well, three times, Peter. Remember, I don't think he said remember back in John 18. But anyway, remember Peter back when you, three times you said I'm not. Now, This is, I think, the author's personal signature. Notice at the end of the chapter, verse 24, this is the disciple who's bearing witness to these things and wrote these things. We know that his witness is true. This is that disciple. That disciple who was with Peter in the high priest's uh, courtyard. That disciple who was with Peter when Jesus restores him. This is John's, I think, personal signature with the touch of the charcoal grill. (laughs) A couple of things before we close. You can deny the Lord. You can fall. Christians are not exempt from serious falls. And about the time you think it ain't going to happen to me. Somebody says, you're the one. Uh, you may say it's not me. Or you may just keep your mouth shut when you should speak up. And that's denying the Lord. But thank God. Thank the Lord. You can be restored. You can be restored. While this message has a harshness to it, the denial of Peter, I want to end on a positive note. Jesus didn't take him and spank him. Jesus didn't take him and beat him up. He just said, Peter, do you love me? Then if you love me, I want you to do this. Do you love me? If you love me, I want you to do this. I want you to feed my lamb, take care of my sheep. I want you to show your love by loving others. See? 
That, I think, is, is the lesson here. Forgiveness and restoration is possible only when we acknowledge it's, pricely, uh, it's precisely the real me that has wronged others. But when we acknowledge it, we're on our way to restoration. And what is that restoration? Loving others. You say you love me, but will you love my sheep, Peter? Will you tend for my sheep? Will you feed my sheep? Will you take care of my sheep? Uh, so forth and, and, and so on. If you love me, then give your life to shepherding the sheep and the lambs of my flock. William Barclay said, we can prove that we love Jesus only by loving others. It's easy to say, yes, Lord, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Did you hear me? It's, it's words. It's words. Okay. If you love me, love my sheep. Tend my sheep. Give your life to ministering to others. That will show that you love me, Peter. And he did. It's a happy ending. You see him in the book of Acts. He's the one that gives the Pentecost sermon. He's the one who physically opens the door uh, to the Gentiles, Cornelius. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. He spent his time feeding God's people and ministering to others. And also, notice some of the last words that we think that he wrote. 1 Peter uh, 5, uh, 2. He's exhorting. Uh, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder. He didn't say as your fellow pope. He says your fellow elder. Interesting. I'm just one of you guys. And I'm a witness of the sufferings of Christ. 1 Peter 5. And a partaker of the glory that's to be revealed. Watch it. Shepherd the flock of God among you. The same thing that Jesus told to Peter. Shepherd the sheep. Peter ends up telling us to shepherd the flock of God among you. Yeah, he learned his lesson. He learned his lesson. Peter's relapse and Peter's restoration. Don't you think that only the preacher who stands in this pulpit and gets the pastor's salary is the one who is to shepherd the flock of God? Once you fall into that, you're falling into the idea that only the clergy, only the bishops, only the priests can do it. We just do what they say. No, 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 no. If there's ever a need for many of you to rise up and tend the flock and shepherd the sheep, it's when you are without a bishop here, a pastor here. Oh, well, we got elders to do that. You show your love for Jesus by showing your love for his sheep and helping to tend and care for them. Whether you're Joe Brown Layman or whether you're the right Reverend Dr. William Varner. You see, I'm expected to do that. But you're expected by the Lord to do that, see? So rally around the elders. 
and help them in your small way to shepherd, to tend, to feed the flock of God. It's a community effort. It's not just the role of the pastor or the elders. Do you love him? Shepherd his sheep. Tend his sheep. Tend the flock. Show your love for him by showing your love for his sheep. Father, thank you for these dear folks. Thank you for this precious congregation. Thank you that um, you've given me a great privilege to minister not just to them but with them. And I pray that their best days will yet lie ahead. Uh, We don't know when there will be one person behind this pulpit. Uh, But I pray that all will step up and show their love for the Lord Jesus by showing their love for the flock and tending and shepherding and feeding them, we pray. We commit them to you in Jesus' name. Amen.